You're listening to the Handmade CEO Podcast. My name is Maria Lauren, small business owner and creative entrepreneur. Each week we'll discover the steps and motivation that inspire our guests to create income from their skills. Get ready to start learning how to creatively pursue your dream job by crafting it yourself. I'm super excited about today's guest, Megan. She's created a beautiful site that is rethinking the traditional bridal registry. In our interview, she discusses where the dream for the site was born, and she also gives excellent tips to all the handmade artisans looking to expand their reach selling online. And don't worry, if you're not tying the knot, you can still shop here too. I know that I'll be making some much-needed updates to my home collections this year. Stay tuned till the end to hear the offer that Megan has for you. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me on this show. Absolutely. I'm definitely excited to be here. So when I first saw your site, I felt a little bummed that it didn't exist when I got married. Actually, I think that the internet was just being born at that time. Can you tell us a little bit about your site, the dowry, and how it was created? Absolutely. So it was the exact same thing for me when I was going to register back in 2007 for my wedding gift registry. I definitely knew that I needed to register at some of the typical big box retailers. Um, There's just items there that I needed to furnish in my new home. But when it Mm -hmm. came time for me to register for place settings or, you know, pillows for my bed or some of those um, just what I considered, you know, unique and very personalized to the home that I wanted to create. I wanted the ability to go purchase or register for artisan made products, things that, you know, I knew the person who had made it, or I knew the story behind it, or why they chose to make that. And I realized in my search for something like that, there wasn't anything out there like that. And at that point in time, I thought, okay, I can't be the only one that wishes something like this existed. And so I just chalked that idea away and got married and and registered at all the, the typical big box stores. And I will say a couple of my girlfriends and I ended up having the same place settings, which is exactly <laughs> what I didn't want to have happen. Um, and, and I just, I went on with my career uh, knowing at some point in time, I wanted to circle back to that idea and be able to, at some point in time, launch a site that met that need. That sounds amazing. If you felt like there wasn't something in the market, I'm sure other people were experiencing the same thing. I know I dreaded that whole big box experience. (laughs) I just wanted to just be in and out of there because I thought this stuff is so mass produced that I know that if I don't like it, I'll just go and replace it later. But it never felt special. Like the accent pieces that you're talking about, those are really the things that speak to who you are. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I thought, okay, there's people out there that are going to want the same sort of thing. And it's definitely one thing to think that and then to launch a business and get some of that, you know, positive feedback. You know, when you hear a consumer for the first time tell you, oh my goodness, I've been looking for something like this. And, you know, we've started to get engaged couples and brides who are responding that way. You know, there's obviously still a long way to go to make this a site that a lot of people are going to, but you realize, okay, yes, people are out there wanting things that are, you know, made by hand and that are unique and special that they won't get rid of in a year. Exactly. You put it on your registry, somebody that loves you buys it for you, then you actually want to hang on to that for a long period of time because it has some sort of significance. Especially if that's a beautiful piece that not a lot of people have in their homes. I think it sparks conversation. (laughs) It evokes memories from, you know, who bought it for you. Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah. So can you tell me how this works if you're an engaged couple? Like, do they visit your site and then register there and forward a link? Or is there paperwork that's involved? Do you send uh, invites to the site? That's a great question. So both our registry and the ability to sign up to be an artist on our site doesn't cost anything. But just specifically to answer your question, yes, you you go to the dowry.co and click on registry and you can create the registry from there. And it does follow that same pattern that people are used to with other wedding gift registries. You put in your information and your significant other's information and fill in your shipping information kind of prior to the event and post the event. Um, We do allow people to put photographs up on their registry and a personalized message to to their guests when they land on the site. We've tried to make it as easy as possible so that when you're actually logged into your registry, you can then navigate to any of the product pages or any of the artist pages and just click add to registry from that page. And you can still go back to the manage tab and add you know more quantities or take away those quantities if you want. We, we did try to make ourselves somewhat differentiated than other registries. We allow for something we call the wish list. And so we gave this concept of the wish list a go where couples can actually put items onto this wish list, but it's not visible to their guests. And they can kind of play around with the items that they've put into the wish list before pushing it over to their actual registry for someone to come on and purchase. But they do get a link, they can add it to their wedding website, and they can share it out like they could any other registry that they register for. That's an amazing idea because I love having everything on one page so right. you can see is any of this going to match. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing and this will continue to evolve and get better, but we do have a curation tab. We tasked an interior designer to give us sort of the five most frequently sought after design styles. And so under this curation tab, We've got sort of that boho style and classic style and rustic style minimalism. And we want to be able to add the different artists product into those different curations to help engaged couples, you know, look for specific types of product that would potentially go together and not just throw a bunch of product up on the site, but really get good at curating. And we hope to just get better over time and curate very distinct looks that would help them understand how they could pull these items together. Can you just tell us how your site ties back to your mission? I read a statistic on your page that said that 39,000 girls wed every day with little or no choice as to when or whom they marry. Can you explain how your brand is growing awareness in this area? Absolutely. One of the things that I've enjoyed watching in business over the last few years is this idea of social capitalism. I think that probably some of these terms maybe get thrown around too much or you know, everybody's trying to jump on the bandwagon, you'll hear people say. But there's still a positive impact that that movement is having. And I think that society is buying onto the idea that you can shop both ethically, but also with a mission behind it. This wasn't just something pulled out of thin air for me. I have made it a point just on my personal life to find areas where I can do good work or bring awareness to issues surrounding women and children. The different projects I've worked on previously, just in volunteering and giving back of my time, have been around those two pieces. 
And, and when I started to craft and create the dowry and come up with the business side of things, I was in the middle of taking a trip to India for my sister's wedding to her now husband. And he's a first generation American. He was born in India. His whole family is there. And so we were traveling to India for the Indian wedding. And I had a new sort of awareness to a very female woman child oriented issue that hadn't been brought to light for me before. Um, And that was this idea that dowry practices are still going on in the world, mainly in India and some smaller Asian countries, but it is happening Mm -hmm. all over the world, even in the United States. And a lot of this stems from poverty and from a lack of education, but it doesn't just hit that demographic. And it just kind of ate away at me on this trip that I took. And when I came back, I thought, wow, here's a business that I want to start that surrounds its entire business model around this wedding event. And my heart is being pulled towards these women, these girls, oftentimes children who are being, for a lack of a better word, sold into marriage because of their dowry. And so when I read that stat as well, 39,000 girls a day are getting thrown into marriage. I knew that I wanted to make this the mission of the dowry and to bring awareness to this with the hopes that we can do more as a company in the future, above and beyond just the awareness piece. But it's the start of us being able to talk about this and blog about it and go social with it, all in the while of us pushing and talking about our products, which is another thing that I'm very passionate about. And one of our first mm-hmm. missions of you know supporting artists and being able to connect them to consumers. Oh, that's amazing. That's a beautiful cause. To be honest, I wasn't aware of any of that. I thought that that was something that was, you know, kind of old fashioned to place a long time ago. I didn't realize that it was still taking place and that it happens here in the United States is even more shocking. Right. Prior to my trip, you know, I remember my grandmother giving me this little hope chest with items inside of it that, you know, she was giving all of the female grandchildren. And, And I viewed this as sort of this passing along of heirlooms, not really understanding some of the other impacts or ties that it had to the negative pieces. So definitely, I think everybody maybe grew up with a different understanding of what it is. And Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, it's just great to bring awareness to something that is still going on in the world. I love the whole mission. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. So how do you go about selecting the artists that you feature? I can imagine you guys must have so much to pick from. (laughs) That is a great question. And your second part there of saying there's so much to pick from I'll tell you what I think is now sort of a funny story of just being a founder of a startup company and kind of some of the initial questions you ask yourself. The very first thing when we launched the dowry uh, last year was that I knew that I needed to get a curation of artists before I even launched the site and, you know, just started to share it with the public. And so I had started to make a list of artists that I'd run across or had seen on Instagram. I had this running list, to be honest with you, that was either in the notes section of my phone or you know, in my Moleskin journal or on my computer in my email. And I, I kind of pulled them together in an Excel spreadsheet. And you know, the list had a couple hundred artists on there. And this is over years of me kind of collecting these names from oh, you wow. know, art shows and what have you, because I knew that this idea was sort of sitting in the back of my brain. But I knew that those couple hundred artists were not going to allow me to create a sustainable business. And so I actually had the thought within a few weeks of reaching out to these first few artists, you know, oh my goodness, 
is there going to be enough artists out there? Are there enough people creating different types of art? Are people still hand blowing glass? Or I started to have this whole, though I knew Etsy was doing well and Amazon handmade. And I knew these other companies were buying into this. You know, when you're starting a company, there's just moments of the self doubt of, you know, is, is that really out there or not? And so I can laugh at myself now because the influx of artists and the amount of applications we've received just blow me away. And and it's just unbelievable that I, that I even thought twice about it. So when we first started, the process is that we were just doing a bunch of outreach to artists by sending them an email, asking them if they wanted to be a part of a site that didn't even exist. And would they buy into our mission and understanding that we truly wanted to connect them with engaged couples? And the majority of these artists were, you know, very excited um, to jump on board. But of, of course, there were some that, you know, with limited time and and the length of time it took to make a certain ceramic piece and get it into the kiln and that whole process, they just said, you know, until we can actually see a website, we're not willing to jump on board, you know, come back to us later. So that's been an interesting process of you almost have to work, you know, twice as hard before the site is up to sell your idea to somebody um, as just an idea. And then once we launched the site, there's now a little caption at the top of, of every page, actually, starting with the homepage that just says, do you want to be a dowry artist? And you can submit your request through that link. And that is really starting to take off. That community is such a tight-knit community. People support each other, even if they're, they're in right. the same medium. You know, a, a ceramicist is supporting a ceramicist. A textile artist is supporting a textile artist. And so there started to be this word of mouth saying, you know, you should go check this out. And so I've got a small little team Ashley leads my artist outreach and artist program side of the business. And I love that the artists interact directly with her and are building that relationship. And, you know, we're small enough that I still jump in there and have phone conversations with them, which is still my favorite. And so that, to be honest with you, that's how that process starts. I only have a few requirements at the moment. And that is just that they are truly handmade and that they are US artists at the moment. To be real frank, most of that is just because as a small business, I don't and my team doesn't have the capacity to, you know, bring on international artists and start to think about the shipping logistics and things of that nature until you know, we're able to grow and become a, a bigger company. It's not that I, I want to stay away from certain artists. It's just, I had to, you know, kind of really fine tune who we were looking at. And so as long as it's a household item that falls within the categories that we have on the site of bar, home, kitchen, serveware, table, then we're more than happy to take the application and have a conversation with you and see the items that you're making. Oh, that's really great. And I love that you said that other like ceramicists will recommend you know their friends making the same type of thing or textile artists because a lot of times I think artists feel concerned that the market is saturated or there's too many people creating the same thing that they are but right. everyone has their own twist on it so I love that that's something that you're seeing within the community absolutely that's a really good point that was something else one I've had a lot of conversations with these artists about um, and even too in me curating you know specific things, you know, you realize that 
the, the possibilities really are endless when you start to find inspiration in a lot of different things. So we've not been around that long as an organization. And already I've had, you know, artists who've come and said, Hey, you know, I I'm now morphing those original bowls or that table runner or, you know, whatever it may be into, you know, this new look and feel because of something that inspired them previously. And it could be a whole new collection or it could just mm-hmm. be a change to what they previously had put on the site. This is with us in a span of, you know, eight to nine months of us being around. And so, you know, a lot of these artists seem to have sort of a core collection that they, you know, continue to make and is reproducible. Mm-hmm. But I also see that the inspiration kind of never stops. There's enough out there that, you know, everybody's inspired by potentially something different. I wonder if you'll ever have a a section that is more for those of us who have already been married, we're already on a, you know, registry and maybe like an anniversary line or something, because it really does make me want to rebuy everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. We do market ourselves as a wedding gift registry. We're obviously just an e-commerce platform as well. So we do have people who are buying stuff off of the site all the time. So, you know, what's interesting is most engaged couples register at three different retailers and they usually register seven to eight months prior to their wedding. And so the brides that are registering right now on our site won't be getting married until, well, for a lot of reasons, COVID and right, right? we're experiencing some interesting times. These brides are registering for weddings that would take place in September, October, November, and beyond. And so what's been interesting is the artists have said, you know, are are we even going to get any sales or make anything, you know, between now and then as we wait for these registries to, um, to really start to produce some sort of purchases. And, you know, I said, I can't guarantee anything, but for the most part, I'm going to go ahead and say that I would assume that the majority of our artists have received some sort of order. And so that's a great sign too. I love that idea. Products on the site could be for a birthday gift, a Christmas gift, an anniversary gift. I've even had somebody buy one of our throws for a baby room. So absolutely. I think that there's probably, there's a vision that I have for more than just the site being a wedding gift registry, but it was a great place to start. But I love that it's curated for people to buy just for their home. So if you want to go find handmade, yeah, you can go to Etsy, but it's inundated with a lot of things like jewelry and, you know, maybe things for your hair or whatever. So the beauty of it is that this is just for your home. So you don't have to waste time with, you know, sifting through so much. And I'm thinking of it as a place where maybe when something that I bought at a big box store breaks, I would definitely go to your site and buy a replacement, you know, something that is really, truly me as opposed to just being my everyday white big box dishes or whatever. So I love that it, yeah, that it has that, you have the ability to go and find exactly what you need for your home and it has personality. I love that. Thank you. You actually just made me smile um, on this, on this end because you, you hit the nail on the head for me in terms of what I was trying to do, you know, when I tried to communicate to others, sort of, you know, the differentiation of, of who we are, you summarized it beautifully. I feel that, like I've mentioned, you know, Etsy and the Amazon handmaids have just really democratized every facet of that area. 
And, and it's, there's nothing wrong with that. Just like there's nothing wrong with big box retailers. We need, you know, those pieces. Um, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to create the houseware section that made it easy for you to find the things that you were looking for while also being handmade. Yeah, that's perfect. And do you carry inventory or are the sales handled directly by the artists? That's a, a great question. So the sales and customer service and the shipping aspect in terms of like the packing slip and the shipping label and that type of thing are all handled um, through the dowry, but I don't carry inventory. So it is a drop ship model. My goal is that, that the artists get to create and focus on their craft and that I get to assist them in the areas that they don't find pleasing or exciting to do. (laughs) Correct. So my goal is that I get to be that extension of their business that they don't want to do. I want to get to the place where when they've got questions about their business or they, they come to me or to any Ashley or someone and say, Hey, we're really struggling with this and how we manage this that we can be a resource for them so that they truly can focus on their craft. So at the moment, when an order comes in, they get a notification that an order has been placed. And we adhere to every artist's individual return policy and damage policy and lead to ship time. So I don't make the artist fall within one dowry corporate <laughs> you know, structure right. when it comes to the policies. My thing is that I want to make their life easier. So everything that they've already set up for their business, I adhere to. And I just make okay. sure that my consumers, that my customers, our customers know what that return policy is, what that damage policy is, and how long it's going to take for them to receive that product. So if you click into any of the product pages on the website, every product will say, this will ship in four weeks, or this will ship in three days, or this will, whatever that length of time is that it takes the artist from receiving the order to actually being ready to ship. That is what we adhere to per product. And that way the artist doesn't feel overwhelmed with a, you know, a next day delivery, like we're all used to with Amazon, you know, it's, it's, we, I'm really trying to gear the site towards being able to work within the understanding that the items that you're purchasing are truly handmade by individuals here in the United States. And, and so that means that someone is lovingly crafting that item and then is shipping it to you. And so there's a little bit of of weight that needs to happen there in order to get something that's, you know, of more value than having it arrive on your doorstep the next morning. I would love to invite you to take a look at the link on my site that features past guests and sponsors. You'll find it at marialauren.com. I created a page titled Coupons and Offers so you could easily find the artists and the discounts that they are offering to you, the listener. You can also find a gift-giving printable under the link printables that'll help you plan out your gift-giving this year. I know you'll find something that is just right, whether it's for you, for a family member, or a friend. And don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter. I'll be sure to keep you in the loop on all things handmade, free guides, and offers. Now back to the show. I bet the artists are just nuts about that idea. Yes. Because that is the yeah, that is really difficult to produce something quickly mm-hmm. and you know have it out right away, like you said. And the fact that you're acknowledging that and just telling people to 
you know, just to kind of take it easy and relax a little right. bit. And wait for this beautiful thing to arrive. I yeah. think that's really cool. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, we have gotten into that instant gratification mode. Yes. And it has spoiled us to a point, but you're right, it does take time to create. So I love that whole model. Yeah. That's really great. Yeah, hopefully you enjoy it more if it takes a little longer to get to you. <laughs> right. The instant gratification is everywhere. Right. And I love that you've kind of made people slow down a bit. That's a, a really you. great Thank yeah. You. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, I think it's it eases a little bit of that burden from the artist and mm-hmm. we talk about how does an artist create and try to do all the business side of things. That was one of those kind of juxtapositions thing that I felt I could feel from them, you know, when I was on the phone, you know, the questions that they asked around is it worthwhile for me to join the dowry, but if I can ease their understanding that I work within their confines of their craft, then it alleviates some of that for them. And that is definitely ultimately my goal. I bet it's super helpful too for them. Yeah. Well, as far as having a curated site goes, what do you think has been the most challenging part about it? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if it's best for me to answer this as as a as an entrepreneur and, and just running a business as a whole or just more specifically around the site. So I think my answer for just specifically around the site and curating a site that has these different items just to you know really pinpoint and answer your question is that as a creator, not of artistic things, but of this website, as the creator of this, I never feel like it's good enough or that it is um, that it's hit its final stage or perfection. And so that that's really hard. It's hard to put something out into the public that people look at when you don't feel that it's maybe necessarily ready. And I think that's one of the things that I've had to just personally and professionally understand with this is that it's a work in progress. And there's just going to be times when pieces of it don't seem to to look or feel the way you want it to. And I'll give you a specific example. You know, right now, um, if you were to click bar on my website, it takes you to all the items that an artist has made that fits into that bar category. But what you see are images of just these individual items, which are great. And that's completely fine. But my vision is that you click on that bar tab and the first big image that comes up across the top is not just a curation of bar items for those individual artists, but it's an image that my team, that my photography team has taken of all these different items pulled together in maybe a beautiful bar tablescape. And you see Mm. glassware from one artist and a corkscrew from another artist and a decanter from another artist. And we show how that kind of works together. You know, that's something that I wish the site had three weeks ago, (laughs) a (laughs) month ago, right? (laughs) Right, right? For me, that's just been one of the hard things is realizing that the site is doing what it needs to do. And we are supporting these artists and we're bringing awareness to dowry practices and we're giving engaged couples another outlet. But as an entrepreneur and as somebody who's trying to curate, you know, really beautiful pages, to me, it is not quite there yet. And there's still more to come. And it's probably a good lesson for probably the artists as well, that you may not feel like your art is 100% there, but it is. It's just in your brain, it is just a, a work in progress. Right. So it's just something I've really had to kind of work through over the last few months as we've brought this to, to the market. 
Well, it's a beautiful sight. I mean, I know what you're saying because you have the perspective of what you want it to look like. Right. But as somebody who doesn't have that perspective, right. the sight is gorgeous. Thank it's you. a beautiful <laughs> sight. Yeah. And I would say it looks so well put together. Like I can't, couldn't imagine it any better. Aww. You're right, though. I think in our minds, we always have a vision of what we want it to look like. So it's good that you didn't prevent that from letting you launch. Cause I think a lot of times we get struck with fear yes. and we feel like until it's perfect Yes, and that day might never come. Sure. So. And, and I wasn't going to necessarily tag onto this, but you've kind of teed up another really big, important lesson that I've learned in just starting a business. And that is that I'm always telling my team um, that we're not looking for perfection right now, because if we did, we wouldn't get anywhere. We would just be stalemated and nothing would happen. And so it's learning that good balance between does it work and is it meeting a goal and a purpose? And then is there the ability for us to continue to iterate after that and continue to get better? Then you should go ahead and, and launch it or take that next step and do it because you at least have pushed forward and then you'll have a clear, you know, you'll have your vision will cast you a little bit further into the future. And then you see sort of those additional next steps that you have to take that kind of continue to put one foot in front of the other and move forward. I actually had a potential investor tell me a few months ago when he was reviewing the site, he's sort of an advisor as well. And he said, honestly, Megan, the, the site looks great. And he, he said, you know what that tells me? And I said, what? He said, you launched your site too late. And I just <laughs> had this moment of kind of taking that in. You know, he said, you know, most of the startups that I've worked with in the VC world and, 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 um, in other areas, um, when I look at their site, I've got a list of things that I'm, I'm ready for them to change immediately. Mm-hmm. And that's when you've launched your site in time because you need to leave room for those changes. So I right. thought, okay, I, that's I, you know, <laughs> better to go ahead and launch it and make those changes after the fact. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he's right on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the technology advances of where we sit today. And I think this is kind of one of the interesting things that we've sort of talked about up to this point um, during this conversation is the ability for um, really anyone to jump out there and try something business-wise that they couldn't have before. My site sits on a platform for small businesses called Shopify. Now I've had to develop and add things on top of it that it didn't have for me to, you know, launch a gift registry and to do the curation pieces of it. On my end, it was a mix of two different things. But the ability for, you know, anyone to go on and create a platform to sell items is really available for the entire world. And that's something that I think is really unique about the day and age that we live in that you can just go on there and create your own business. And you know, there's obviously the different templates on there and things that you can choose from. I do think one of the things that is important prior to starting developing a platform or a business or the e-commerce piece, not only understanding your mission and who your customers are and who you're really kind of targeting to go sell to, but it's also understanding what your brand is what your brand stands for, what it looks like, um, how people feel when they interact with it. And I think Mm -hmm. that you need to write that down somewhere or type it up somewhere and have that as a reference guide because it's very easy to get pulled um, off of those missions or those customers or that brand um, if it's not written in stone. I think that if you can 
you know, really lay that out and define it. And I mean, specifically around colors you use, fonts you use, all those kinds of detail, you'll adhere to a look that aligns with your end goal and looks just like the mood boards that you created for how you wanted it to look. And Mm -hmm. if you don't do that, it'll easily sway off of that path. If your vision isn't clear, it's easy to say, oh, I like this look. And then you kind of change with the influences of other pages that you've seen. Absolutely. Like you said, yeah, I love that you're saying to focus on just your one vision. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if I'm, you know, like everybody else in this instance, but it sounds like I am just from hearing you say, you know, you can go to one beautiful site and then go to another beautiful site and you may love both aesthetics, but you just ultimately have to go back then to that document that you wrote up that says, okay, does this fit in with the brand that I am choosing to look like and go after? Mm-hmm. So that's, it, it's hard. I struggle yeah. with that as a team, you know, daily on um, accepting and declining changes and things that we want to make to the site. And I love your logo. Thank it's just you. so clever and it's so cute. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yep. We definitely wanted to be able to have something that had not just a logo, but also what I call a logo mark. Um, and so mm-hmm. the with the O is what you'll see oftentimes just on our social pages. So we wanted to be able to kind of create a, a logo mark within our logo to use on different different channels of marketing. So my next question is two parts. One is what advice do you have for someone looking to start their own business? And then the other would be what advice do you have for artists if they wanted to be featured? So I'll start with the artists. You know, one of the things that I suggest for the artist, it seems daily is just the ability to be able to get just really crisp, clean, clear, high res photography of that item before they sell it, before they take it to any fair, before they, before they get rid of it is just sort of that documentation. Not only that documentation for maybe being able to like reproduce that item again, but if they do decide to sell that item online or work with any other platform, whether it be, you know, Etsy or myself or somebody else, that's just one of those things that you're absolutely going to have to have. And it's probably the number one thing that I run up against with artists is that they don't have those types of images. Sometimes they're taken with their phone and I have to let them know that's quality is not good enough. And I think that there's potentially easy ways for that to happen for them where it doesn't have to be expensive. If they don't feel they can take that photography, you know, being able to trade product for some images, photographers are in the creative space as well. And so I think there's some ways to to get around it, but it's definitely one of the biggest battles that I face in trying to do business with the artists is gaining that the photography. And then I think the second piece is, is potentially undervaluing their work. One of the other dialogues I think that we have a lot with the artist is just price points and what should they list their items for. And I never name a price for them. That is something they absolutely have to do. I do talk about price ranges being something that is a good thing to kind of consider, whether it be different price ranges for different items, like you sell a, you know, a small handcrafted creamer um, bottle for for less than you sell, you know, a, a dinner plate, but just thinking through kind of price ranges, but then also just, just researching a little bit, looking at what is being offered out there and the different price ranges out there. And then understanding that they are creating something of value and that they 
can set a really good price point for what their work entails and that they don't need to undermine some of those price points because people are willing to pay for for what they've created. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with both of those. I feel like the photography part is, it doesn't have to be that difficult. So yeah, getting those pictures I think is super important, but the pricing has always been a struggle. A simple piece can be really expensive. At the same time, you can't give your work away. So it's a difficult balance. Mm -hmm. The nice thing is that you do have the ability to research, like you said, that really should help you set a pretty good price point. And that's why I think having a range is nice, where if you are putting in a lot of hours for a certain piece, you need to set that price point high because you need to be able to make money off of that. I think we've kind of talked about you know, the difference between just creating what so many people say is crafts, right? And versus the artist who's trying to sustain a business or you know make money off of what they're doing. And so if there's an item that you sell a lot of, or but it takes you a long time, then you probably need to raise your price point on that. But one of the ways that you can help sustain your business is by creating that range of price points that I was talking about. So maybe you create something that doesn't take near as long or as smaller or what have you, and you put that at a lower price point because you can sell or turn that product a lot faster than maybe that higher price point one. But when you sell one of those higher price pointed items, it's worth more and you're getting your value out of that. And so having that mix of price points should help you through those different times of seeing what sells And I think a mix is just always good to have so you don't get stuck into one category. That's great advice. I love that. The other part of the question, what advice would you have for someone looking to start their own business? (laughs) It's a lot of hard work. (laughs) Um, It is a lot of hard work and it is also one of the most rewarding things that I think that you do. My advice would be that there are a lot of hard days and days where you're questioning. And and I've kind of mentioned that again, already in this conversation, different things I've sort of questioned throughout the process. But if you've created a plan and, and you've written it down and you've mapped it out, then the days that are positive and the days where you have small and big wins are so much more infinitely better than the five or six days in a row that were just really, really hard. And that's because... And this goes back to my overall just philosophy that you know everybody was made to create, whether it's actual artist things or in my case, it's the creation of businesses. And that rewarding piece of seeing something come from nothing outweighs those really hard days. I will say that you won't have those rewarding days unless you know there is is a plan in place. And you know, I, I mentioned sticking with a a specific brand once you've outlined that and you know really sticking to that plan that goes into all areas of the business so mm-hmm. sticking to whatever your financial plan is sticking to whatever your sales plan is or your marketing plan and if you're not able to hit that plan that you've you've mapped out you've you've got to ask yourself why and be able to course correct what you're doing in order to kind of continue to making the steps forward. But I think that taking the step into starting a business and having the courage to do it is well worth that step. And then just being able to reassess 
along the way to take those steps forward, whether this is something that can actually come to fruition or if you need to course correct. Having a plan helps you to not quit on those difficult days. Yes. You know, and it's almost like you have to build in a couple of bad days so that you understand that when they happen, it was just part of the plan too. Absolutely. Because, yeah. Expecting it to be easy, I think is not realistic. So knowing that it's just part of the plan mm-hmm. that you know, when that happens, if you stick to a routine, regardless of good or bad that has happened, it helps you to get through. I think you need to realize what you can and can't do and what you know how to do and what you don't know how to do. I'm a big believer in always learning and always trying to grow my knowledge base. So I love to read and I read books about business and different steps to take. And so I I do try to teach myself things that I didn't know before in building out this business. But I also try to be wise enough to say, I don't know how to do that. I need to go hire somebody or find somebody to fill those gaps that I don't know how to do. So just because you aren't a lawyer doesn't mean you don't need some legal advice on what you're doing. Or just because you're not a finance or accounting person doesn't mean you don't need your CPA to file your taxes for you at the end of the year. So there's just things like that in the business that I also just tried to surround myself with you know, accountability and mentors and partners who can either let me know a blind spot that I don't see that I need, because oftentimes I don't know what I need, or if it's something that I very blatantly know that I don't know and I need, that I'm humble enough to go find and seek somebody who who does. You know, the team that I have around me, like I said, it's small. There's four of us, but they're the best. And you know, I made sure that you know they were different in their expertise so that we mm-hmm. could come together to, you know, fulfill the things that we need to get done. You know, there's so much that the team knows that I don't know that I'm constantly having to ask them for. So that's another just huge thing that I would always impart to anyone who is looking to start a business. Especially because it seems like there's a possibility that you could spend way too long trying to figure something out. Whereas it might be better just to hire someone uh-huh. or just seek help. You know, yes. sometimes that balance is it's important to know when you need to ask for help instead of wasting hours, months, you know, years on trying to find out, you know, that particular answer or how to set up a website or whatever. Yep. Uh, that's uh, absolutely that cost of benefit analysis of your time versus, you know, paying somebody. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So Megan, where can we find your site? Where can we find social media pages? Everything? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I think I've said this, but the website is www.thedowry.co. We're not a .com yet. And then for social media, our Instagram and Facebook handles are at the Dowry Registry. And then we also have a Twitter handle that's at the Dowry Registry as well. So that's where you guys can find us and check us out. And you know, whether it's just searching around and looking at the product or or wanting to be an artist on the site or just dropping us a line and asking us some more questions, we'd be happy to answer any of those. Well, thank you, Megan. It was great having you on the show. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Well, there you have it, my friend. Another passionate handmade CEO giving the Common Gift Registry a much needed facelift. I'm intrigued by the idea that so many traditions that we take part in could use a new and tasteful approach. Much like the dowry decided to give the otherwise generic registry a boost in personality, there are many areas where change would be happily welcomed. Just imagine the possibilities. 
Megan had so many great tips for us in this episode. From pricing your items correctly to making sure your branding is consistent, these tips are the things that we all have to face and conquer if we want to have a successful business. I'll add links to the show notes to some resources that you can use to make sure that your pricing is on point. I'll also provide a link to visit the diary and enjoy 10% off of your purchase. And lastly, thank you to everyone that has left a review. As I mentioned in a previous episode, a review is like extending your hand out to a potential customer and telling them that this is a great place to visit, buy, or in this case, listen. Your support, messages, and reviews mean the world to me. Thank you so much for listening to the Handmade CEO podcast. Don't forget to check the show notes to get a glimpse of today's featured guest and special offers. If you love the show, leave a review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for tuning in. Now it's your turn to start handcrafting your dream job. 